What's up? Hey, y'all. We coming at you live and full effect. Well, kind of live, but definitely in full effect. Welcome to Through Thick and Thin, the Ultimate Girlfriends podcast. I am Ashley. And they call me Edwin. Who is they? The streets. Okay. Um, what you eating on tonight? I have mushroom pizza, and I wash it down with some Ciroc brandy and a splash of Coke. Okay, okay. I am currently snacking on a bowl I made, which includes a veggie patty, grilled salmon. Um, Well, it's not really grilled. It's more like skillet salmon, tomatoes. No, there are no tomatoes. Broccoli, carrots, brown rice. And for extra measure, I was like, let's throw in some yum yum sauce. Okay, then I see you. Yum yum. Out here with your culinary game. Yum. All right. Yeah. So, um, you want to just like get into this episode? I mean, sure, let's do that. Alright. Oh. But before we do that, remember to follow us on social media. How about you just search and find or look in the show notes? Yeah, I was about to say we do lay it out. <laughs> Cause I realized last week we didn't shout out Kenneth. We didn't um Kenneth. say rate review. Rate review five stars. Five stars or, or less. Five stars or more, rather. Four stars, you just a hater. You can't do more than five stars. Not with that attitude. <laughs> okay. Let's get into this. All right. So, this episode is called The Declaration of Independence. And... Independence. Independence. Please, 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 please. All right. That episode. Continue. So the Declaration of Independence aired March fifth, two thousand one. It was directed by Ken Whittingham, written by our fave Mara Rocky Hill and um, Tim Edwards. Uh. This episode has all of our main folks, nobody special on it, so we don't have to run through that. But going back to the director and the writer, so Ken Whittingham directed um, on Gilmore Girls, The Office, Parenthood, Mindy Project, Parks and Rec, 30 Rock, Yes Dear, Ugly Betty, Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, Still Standing, um, King of Queens, Modern Family, Everybody Hates Chris. He has five NAACP image awards um, due to the office 30 rock and parks and rec. Um, He's been in the game since 87 Tim Edwards, who wrote this episode. is also a producer. Um, He produced and wrote for, he mostly uh, wrote or co-produced 
co-executive produced on the game, several episodes there at 42, to be completely honest. And he wrote on 12 episodes of Girlfriends, starting from this season to 2006. He wrote on five episodes of a game. Um, so pretty loyal to the NBA family. Um, but yeah, so to give you the synopsis of this episode, because that's what I do. Tony and Joan ponder their opinions with Lynn convinced this time that their friend learned to fend for herself instead of depending on them. Um, so that's the IMDB synopsis, which I actually like because it doesn't give you the whole plot of the show, which other synopses do. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. All right, you ready for your part? Oh, wait, wait, wait. My <laughs> bad. March 5th, 2001. Do you remember where you were on that day? March 5th, 2001? Yeah. Hmm. Must have been middle school. How would you say you're in middle school when you're... Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep, see? hmm So, when you type in March 5th, 2001 in Google, the first thing that comes up is about a school shooting. So, Charles Andrew Williams is a convicted murderer because as a 15-year-old, he um, was the shooter at the at Santana High School, where two students were killed and 13 others were wounded. This was in Maryland. I don't even remember this. He's currently serving uh, life in prison with possibility of parole after 50 years. Jeez. Do you remember this? No. Which is more of an indictment of our country and a whole other host of issues. But Yeah. So, Andy locked himself in the boys' bathroom with a loaded twenty-two caliber revolver. Now you take him from his um, daddy's cabinet, shot a freshman. Then he left the bathroom, just start busting, bow, 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 kill somebody else. Then he walked back into the bathroom, shot. Walked out, pow, pow, more. Just kept going. This was at 9.20 a.m. Y'all had just gotten to school. Like, or maybe, you maybe have been there two hours. Yeah, about Depending on when your school started. My school... An hour or two, probably. Yeah, my school back then started at, like, 7.05, then, or 7.20, and then they moved it to 7.05 or something. I remember some point mid-season, like, mid-season, mid um like year they pushed the time up um or whatever but anyway so he wanted to kill himself he didn't kill himself guess the race well i'm kidding yeah so um so yeah uh that's your 
school shooting history in the middle of a girlfriend's podcast. Um, don't expect that on every episode. So, yeah, you want to get into the actual episode? Yeah, since we ended on a high note. Yeah. All right, let's do it. This episode opens at Joan's office with Maya at her usual post at the reception desk. And Joan's going out to lunch and she stumbles across Maya plucking her chin hair. This chin hair is a side effect of her ongoing fibroid treatment that she has still decided to forego surgery to deal with her ailment. So Joan is understandably a little taken aback and asks Maya why she's doing it. And Maya explains where the chin hair came from as a result of her treatment. And Joan says, that's all well and good, but why not go to the bathroom to do that? And Maya replies, I did go to the bathroom. These grew in on the walk back. So it was clearly very serious out here for Maya. Joan makes it to lunch. And it's not just any lunch at Davis's restaurant. She's meeting up with her bestie, Tony. And their topic of conversation is their good friend and forever student, Lynn, who has decided to pursue yet another master's degree slash graduate program. Once again, postponing her entrance into the quote unquote real world. So at this point in time, Joan had been housing Lynn for about eight years And I believe Tony had her for eight weeks. So they both felt they did all they could do as far as housing Lynn and supporting her goals and dreams. So they invited Lynn out to lunch. And it turns out it was her intervention because they were trying to get her to step into her adulthood and get a proper job so she can have her own income and ultimately her own place and get out of their hair since Tony articulately stated that since Lynn's there, she can only have sex in the bedroom. And what, you know, what's the point of that? So they're trying to figure out how to get Lynn to spread her wings and fly. Lynn pushes back using some of the knowledge she's accumulated with her 5011 degrees and says she's not a conformist and downgrades the American work culture where you have people in the rat race and working themselves to the bone to try and get that employee of the month and what have you. So she's very anti-work or pro-school from her perspective. And Tony's had enough. So she hits Lynn with an ultimatum saying you have seven days to get a job or get out. So now Lynn is under the clock to try to find a job. She says she's overqualified for any part-time jobs, but Joan suggests she can just use her knowledge to enlighten her coworkers at a potential McDonald's or any other quality fast food establishment. In the same restaurant, we have our favorite couple, William and Yvonne, shout out to Reggie Hayes, and they are planning out their next few days, how they're going to enjoy each other's company. And Yvonne 
is trying to figure out what they'll do next or where they'll have their next stakeout or what perp William will play in the lineup in the police station. And that's how they spend time together as a couple. William, for some crazy reason, wants to hang out with his boys and play basketball. Yvonne wasn't really feeling that. She wants to keep things as they're going and spend all her time with her boo, all her time with her bae. So, Ashley, I know you're in a relationship. I am. Okay. What are your thoughts on striking that balance between being in a relationship, spending time, but also making time for yourself outside of that relationship and for the person you're in a relationship with making time for themselves? Listen, we can't be out here all up in each other's face all the time. One, we live too far. <laughs> Two, well, yeah. yeah. Two, um, I'm, I personally enable, like, for me to thrive as an individual, I need my space. I need a second to, um, go to like my room or go somewhere, just kind of have like a say law. So there are some weekends where I'm just like, all right, especially if I know that there are several weekends where it's like, okay, we have this we're doing, or like I have this scheduled or you're doing this, doing that. I use those as moments where I'm like, all right, if there's like a glimpse of like maybe one weekend where there's, not anything to do or maybe not as much i try to capitalize off that so um maybe i'm just like i'm just going to be at the house this weekend and i might have um um i might have like something in mind that i want to do or try to accomplish sometimes it's just i'm exhausted i mean my fridays like when i get home from work i am spent like there are times we'll all come home and i'll just go to sleep sometimes i wake up that night sometimes i don't so i think i mean just for me in a relationship it's more of just kind of like being able to have those moments to recharge and granted i mean i hate you know not being able to see you at least once or twice a week but at the same time that's what facetime's for and then you know i'll say like hey can we just facetime just so i can still like you know see you and we could talk or whatever um because we're not really a facetime couple but overall i think that's just what i do you know just kind of try to capitalize off those opportunities to just kind of have like a moment to myself um, just because I know that I'm more valuable if I can have that moment Um, and I won't be cranky or like frustrated if I have some time kind of dedicated to, you know, me just laying in bed on a Saturday, not doing much or, you know, after counseling or something, deciding to go get something to eat and just kind of like sitting and enjoying that moment, you know, just finding those opportunities for self-care when I can um, and making that a priority because that is actually something 
a while ago, that was disgusting counseling because it was at a point where I felt like every weekend it was something or I was doing something and I was going here or needing to finish, blah, 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 blah. And it was just a lot. So um, that was one thing my therapist said was, you know, basically you got to prioritize time for yourself just in the same manner that you schedule everything else. You need to put some time on your calendar where you do nothing or you block off a period of time where you just focus on you. So I never officially put nothing on no type of calendar, but I just know mentally like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This weekend I'm not doing anything. So, um, but yeah. What about you? What are your thoughts for that? Cause I don't, I don't think we've ever really talked about that with you. Yeah. Not too far from what you said as far as needing a little time to miss somebody, you know, outside of the logistics that we already talked about that make it improbable for us to see each other, but ever so often beyond that, having some time just to kick it in the evening, have a beer, drink after work, decompress, watch something on Netflix, uh, watch something on Hulu or, you know, hop on my PlayStation and play FIFA if anybody you know, wants to get on the sticks online, uh, hit us up and I'll send you my gamer tag. But yeah, you need time to just do things like that and balance that with making the time that we spend together. And I think probably the biggest thing or the best example, you know, we've kind of adjusted to the fact that it's pretty much understood that Friday nights are pretty much, you know, by and large, unless something drastic is going on, a no fly zone. We don't do much on Friday nights. Kind of just the way our schedules shake out. We typically spend our time either during the week prior to that or on other parts of the weekend. But Friday nights typically either just recover from the week that was or get a jump on the weekend to come or something in between. But we kind of fell into that understanding and rhythm that typically we don't book a lot or schedule a lot of things for Friday. So I think that's just a natural way of getting to know someone and finding a rhythm with them. I think it's important to have those spaces where you can have some me time on both sides. I do think it matters and it's important, but I do think being able to communicate that without it being considered a detriment is important. And having the confidence to do that, I think is important on both sides. So. I have a follow-up. All right. So we live together. Then how are you going to miss me? Spend more time at work. Uh, uh, nah. I mean, just do stuff. You know, go watch soccer, football, or basketball with the guys. One night out during the week, or if I get better at it, play poker or something like that. So you'll just find a way to like leave the house? Not necessarily leave the house. Just have me time. It could be in the house. Maybe you want to go somewhere. And I, you have to go out and do a book club or a coloring party. I may have a few friends over and just Play Midwest or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Good enough. Continue. All right. Back to the episode. We have another snapshot of Maya's symptoms as she is suffering from what can only be assumed severe hot flashes as she is ferociously trying to cool herself down, whereas everyone else in the office seems to be fine. And she's highly irritated 
as another function of the hormones at Joan for not being in the same boat and for just getting on her nerves by having her ask her do her job while she's at work. How dare her? While this is going on, uh, William comes in, and I don't know why this joke sticks out to me, but it's just such a classic William move. He asked Joan, what he, he said, can I bend your ear? Which is, you know, a phrase you say when you want to talk to somebody about something. So Joan says, go for it. And he literally, like, reaches up or reaches out and bends her ear. And he just is tickled with himself. And he says, that never gets old. And she says, actually, it does pretty quickly. So I just thought that was very funny and on brand for both characters. And William is coming to Joan with his Yvonne problem. And another joke that comes up here, and it's sprinkled throughout the series, I feel like, or definitely the first season. He mentions that he wants to help with Yvonne, and Joan assumes that he wants her to see other men. And he says, no, I want her to see other women. So Joan misunderstands this and thinks William's trying to coordinate some type of uh, tryst or menage a trois. She's like, listen, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told Lynn. And then he cuts her off before she can elaborate. I feel like that comes up a few times throughout the first season. So I'm always humored by that running joke they have. So the issue is Yvonne wants to spend all her available time with William presumably because she doesn't have any girlfriends. So William assumes if she has some girlfriends and she'll be kicking it with them, he can kick it with his guy friends. So then your friends, introduce them to my friends, maybe we can be friends, or something like that. So his plan is have Joan and company kick it with, kick it with Yvonne. Then he can kick it with his boys, play basketball, shoot pool, you know, whatever men in L.A. do around that time. I got a question. What's up? Would you... Did you think that was a good idea? Like, how William had that set up? The intention was okay, but to do it so secretively was doomed to fail. Like, he'd have been better off trying to long play it and having a thing where him and Yvonne host something, and he invites them to it, and then they hit it off there, and then they set up stuff from there. Yeah. I know somebody that was uh, dating this girl, like moved her down to Georgia, um, dating this girl and was like, because it was was like a good group of us that would hang out frequently on the weekends, like people from Mercer, people from high school, not a lot, because I don't really like mess with folks from high school like that, but we're all just kind of like chill out on the weekends, drink, play games, whatever. And so one of the guys started dating this girl. Like we had just graduated maybe a year or two, like in like before this happened. So he was dating this one girl that was still at school in Ohio. So he moved her down. She transferred to Kennesaw, I think, which thinking about it, that was the hike of a drive. For him, but uh, for her rather, but he was like, because there were the majority of the people that were all hanging out were girls, 
And so he was just like, can y'all, you know, do something, kind of include her from time to time. And to be honest, like, I mean, it one, it just, it didn't happen. Um, because, and it wasn't on that. I kind of felt like, mm, that's kind of weird. Um, and granted, I was like more immature at that time. So I couldn't really, it was just kind of weird to me. It felt forced. Um, but it didn't happen because of her. Like she was a cool chick or whatever. Um, they end up like fast forward. They, he was. I think he proposed to her. But they or no no no. He was going to propose to her. He never did. And then they ended up breaking up. And I think she stayed down here. Met a guy. They got married on New Year's Eve. Maybe like five years ago. Oh wow. Anyway, yeah, and also this girl is white. Um, and the rest of the group of people were basically black. Um, they didn't oh. really like mean anything one way or another, but yeah. So like a white girl that's like three, four years younger <laughs> than all of us. But um yeah, so like watching that part of the episode just reminded me of that and how kind of like weird it felt. Cause I was thinking even like if we would have all kind of got together with her, she would have known, like, uh, y'all don't never call me for nothing. Why are y'all calling me for something else? So, gotta, gotta let those friendships happen organically. Or else it's just creepy. Yeah, it's, it's always a bad look. In that instance, and when people try to do the thing where if, like, two girls are friends, and they both have boyfriends, and they kind of try to arrange like basically a play date like oh he likes baseball you like baseball y'all should watch baseball together like i mean right okay but he may not like i like watching baseball in the house he likes going to a bar like right with guys it's very much like friendship mostly happens by accident (laughs) it's like we're we play basketball at the same time for a couple weeks in a row and we're winning so now we're cool or a multitude of other things so it's always funny to see those type of things on TV or in real life because every now and then it kind of happens. Not even to that extent, but if you have a relationship and the person you're in a relationship has friends that are in a relationship, you got to mix and mingle with their significant others. So it's always funny. But it could be when it's trying to be pushed for something that's more than organic. So Exactly. And that reminded me, Renard wants your salmon croquette recipe. Did I ever send you that message? I gave it to you. Huh? I gave it to you the morning you asked for it. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you made them. <laughs> Send it to me again. All right. <laughs> I don't remember. You know what in that situation now. I don't remember if I sent it on. I did what I was supposed to do. All right. All right. Continue. Okay. So we are at the office. William leaves from talking to Joan. Lynn walks in and has not sniffed a lead for a job yet. Tries to get Joan to let her crash. And Joan tries her best to stand firm and tell Lynn she better not waste her seven days. Get back out there, pound that pavement, figure out this work situation. Cut to Joan's house. Joan's in the house. Tony just burst in 
I guess they're that type of friends, but I don't have any friends like that. This person in my house. Maybe when I had a dorm room and we lived in the same place, but even still, I always locked my door just force a habit. You don't want to get robbed out here. But Tony just burst in and is excited, but Jones thinks she's exasperated or upset about something. And she's excited that Lynn is gone. Lynn gave her money, I think $300. So she has a job now. She got cash coming in. So she might not be out of Tony's hair, but at least she'll be paying rent. Or she'll make enough money to get out of Tony's hair. Either way, it's a win-win. Next thing we see is Lynn in Joan's yard. Was she trimming branches? She was doing some type of yard work. Uh, Cleaning her gutters, I think, and uh, cutting the trees. Yeah. So doing some decently intensive yard work. Because apparently she was posted up outside of Home Depot, which is which is a thing as far as people wanting to offer their services for home improvement or home repair, posting up in front of various stores like that, or close to them anyway. Like on Ponce, you know, uh, you know what Whole Foods is on Ponce? A lot of guys post up outside of there. There's a Whole Foods on Ponce? Yeah. Across is it across the street from Ponce City Market? Yep. In, in that same plaza, they have a Home Depot, and I think maybe a Lowe's. Maybe it's a Lowe's. Either I've way. never been in that shopping center. Really? Oh, there's a lot of decent stuff over there. That's where I go for my massages. Hmm. Nice TJ Maxx over there. Whole Foods, as stated. They have a PetSmart over there, if you're ever interested. Hmm. No. All that, that is good to know. Yeah. That's the one place I'd see in, you know, that I pass on a regular basis that has people posted up, you know, somebody will roll up saying I need two or I need three and you get three guys trying to get some work for the day. So I guess this was something going on even back in LA in the early 2000s. What type of work are you talking about? Like Latinos? Well, yeah. Day well, workers? Mostly. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're outside of every like home improvement store. Yeah. That's what I was. Okay. Oh, <laughs> That's what you were saying without saying. Oh, okay, my bad. That just came through there like the Kool-Aid man. <sighs> All good. All good. All right. As we can see from this scene, Lynn is earning her money by doing chores for Joan. In Joan's mind, it's reasonable because she was going to pay somebody to do it anyway. So why not pay her buddy or her friend? Help her get on her feet. As a result of this, the next day, Joan walks into her house, and once again, I don't know what kind of emergency key system she has or how free she is with giving away keys, but all her friends are in her house without her, waiting on her to arrive. It must have been the weekend, I think. And they were having an intervention for Joan because she's an enabler. And literally, Tony, Maya, Yvonne, and Lynn were just in Joan's house without Joan being there. And for some reason, that just hurt right. me. I'm like... This is a very familiar move. They all have her keys. Right. Like, I feel like you need to restrict that a little better. But either way. But most- that also kind of reminds me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Of um, not this. The episode of Love Is where um, old boy broke into her house. Oh, yeah. His friends. Shit. Yeah, we got to rec- start recording, though. So they're getting up in episodes now. Yeah, next thing you know, it's going to be season finale next week, like Pose. 
Yeah, shout out to my homie Yasir trying to get on his feet, living his dream. Uh. Okay. D- disregarding that. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, but watch Love Is, y'all. It's, it's good TV. As my friend Sharonda put, is propaganda for fuckboys, but it is a really great show. But we know how this story ends. We do. So, hey, so sometimes but- it's like, do you have faith in those moments to get to that point? Faith is taking the first step without seeing the entire staircase, as said by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Okay, how about you just go to Hebrews and... Never mind. Keep going. All right. They're holding an intervention for Joan. Yvonne thought she was going to lunch, so she came in like, whatever we're doing, can't get some roast beef. They go around the room expressing Joan's issues with being an enabler. And it starts off fine when they're just talking about Lynn. But then Tony ratchets things up a notch and talks about Joan's relationship with Maya. How she lets Maya come in late and basically has a very informal work relationship, which is true. But Maya's like, hold on, hold up. What are we doing? We're not here for that. We can just talk about Lynn. We ain't got to start making all these crazy tangents, which was real. She don't want to mess up her good thing. And Yvonne gets excited. She thinks this should be less of an interview and more of an interrogation. So she said, I'll be a good cop. And Tony, you can just be yourself, which was hilarious, but also accurate. And Joan eventually just pops off on everybody, feeling some type of way about this intervention. And Yvonne's fed up because she tried to have Joan back. She says, all right, we got to turn this thing up a bit. I'm going to need a baseball bat and a pound of roast beef. And I was like, what did you need roast beef for? But then I remember she still hadn't had lunch yet. So she was saying, I can't, you know, beat the brakes off anybody on an empty stomach, which was. Thank you. Because I, I didn't remember, like, I remember the end of that, but I didn't, re- I didn't know why she said that. Gotcha. I gotcha. So that was a brief and funnier than usual Nod to uh, police brutality, I guess. But, anywho, they eventually reached a conclusion. Well, they don't reach a conclusion, rather. And Lynn decides that she's the mother of all enablers. And she needs to help Joan by removing herself from this situation. Because Joan can't resist the need to enable Lynn because Lynn allows Joan to enable. And then Tony demands Joan enable Lynn to leave she tries to get her to stay. So I don't know how comfortable you would be sharing any detailed information, but have you ever had to have any significant intervention level conversations with a close friend or come close to having to do so? No, but some friends try to have an intervention with me. And I say friends extremely loosely in college, but the facts that they were trying to like come at me with were like not even true. So it was like, who even told you this? Like, why are you in my face? Why are you talking about this right now? Like what's going on? I remember one of the people was Janice and like, I wonder if she even remembers that now, but it was just like, what, what are y'all doing? Like, what are you talking about? Seriously? Um, and out of, cause I think it was like 
four people. Oh, Shamir was part of that too. I'm going to ask him if he remembers. It was like four or five people trying to do this. Oh, actually, it might have been KT too. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Several people I need to ask. Um, but out of everyone with this little fake ass intervention, it was like, where'd this come from? Why is this a topic? What is going on? Um, and immediately, like, after I talked to Janice and broke down everything, it was like, all right, y'all are basing this off of some fake reality that was told to you, not what actually happened. Um, and after I explained to Janice, she was just like, oh, like, it clicked to her. And she she didn't understand, like, okay, kind of like, how did I get sucked into this in the first place? So we became cool. But everybody else, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of good on y'all right now. Because, like, how dare you come in my face on some bull? So that's my only intervention moment. Wow. Yeah. You have to get some additional detail or background on that. And yeah. Bit. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I neglected to mention that was pivotal for this scene. Uh, Maya, in the midst of being on the defensive from Tony, accidentally let it spill that Yvonne was there because William requested it. So they have to come clean and let Yvonne know that William asked them to hang out with her. And she was hurt because she finally thought she had some real girlfriends. Shout out to the title of the show. And she was hurt. You know, she thought she had some real true friends. But they're really out here treating her like a charity case, which I thought was a little bit much. But I get where she was coming from. It, it, it could feel a little off-putting to have people say that they're hanging out with you because someone else requested it versus them just wanting to hang out with you. So that there were some valid hurt feelings there. But she did use one very, in my opinion, country, if not Southern phrase in this scene when she said somebody needs to back it up and make it plain. And I was like, I feel like that's something I would hear my grandmother say, or maybe it did hear my grandmother say back in the day. So I just thought that was an interesting little piece of dialogue. Nothing to do with anything. I just wanted to call that out. Anywho. So Maya's hormones are in full swing. Uh, this time at Davis's restaurant, they j- sit down maybe for a minute. And Maya is acting like they've been sitting down for 15 minutes without any service. Talk about, can we get some water over here? What is going on? She's going full tilt. And everyone else is like, we, we just sat down. But she's in her feelings. Uh, shout out to the Shiggy Challenge. And just taking it one moment at a time. She's extremely upset. She's extremely happy. Going back and forth. And that was pretty much her entire role throughout the scene. The waiter came by, gave her water. She hugged the waiter being so thankful for a glass of water. Then as soon as the waiter left, she was like, did y'all see him? He was all up in my business. It was like Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man. Like, wait a minute. But She was all up on him. Right. Which, I mean, they, they played it up. I'm sure they wouldn't yeah. have, have that scene map out like that today, which we could talk about later. But they were just trying to play up the whole mood swings by the second. And she broke it down into tears when she ran out of water. It was just a lot going on. Maya was going through the valley, as church folks may say. 
But they're discussing other things of importance while at Davis's restaurant, principally Lynn. Nobody's seen her. Tony got a message from Lynn that says she's alive, and that's good enough for Tony. Uh, probably not good enough for anybody else, but what can you do? And Yvonne shows up, and she thinks they set this up as her intervention, or that William asked them to hang out with her again. Joan lets her know they're just trying to make amends for yesterday. So she does them a solid and puts out an APB on Lynn to help locate her. What was that? An alarm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you for that. I should have done that Jacques uh, yodel. Oh you my saw, gosh. You saw that one that one clip? <laughs> like, <laughs> you take your car to the shop and the mechanic asks you to make the sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, goodness. All right. The next scene brings us to Davis's restaurant where William and Yvonne are reconnecting because apparently Yvonne gave William the silent treatment slash cold shoulder after she found out about his plan. And he is... A little upset at Joan. And Yvonne tries this, like, reverse psychology police Jedi mind trick on William. Like, Joan told me everything. She even told me about the woman on the side. He was like, there's no woman on the side. And she was like, just check it. And I was like, damn, that's trife. But that is low-key brilliant. (laughs) Like, it's like a... What'd you say? Noted. It was like a Chris Rock skit where he's like, Women don't want, women can have all the evidence. They're like the cops. They want the confession. So she was acting like she knew something that wasn't even true that she found out afterwards. But I just thought that was hilarious. And, you know, makes you take a step back. Like, hmm, interesting. But they work on reconnecting and express their concerns and feelings as it relates to spending time together and apart. And I felt like the scene was a little uneven as far as William having to do all the apologizing and Yvonne not quite meeting him in the middle or understanding the cause of why he did what he did, even if he did it in a less than effective way. So he tried to figure out how to make it up to her and she says flowers aren't going to cut it, gifts not quite good enough. So finally he asked, what does she want? And I thought it was interesting because I don't feel like they've been dating that long, but she wanted a key to his apartment and a drawer, which I thought that was a lot to ask, given the nature of their argument. But hey, to each their own. And he tries to counter-negotiate, or counter, because he's a lawyer, and he says she can have a key to the building and a cardboard box, which I thought was hilarious. And they stare, have a stare, off, stare down for a while, he cracks, and then he gave her his only key, I assume, to his apartment. He asked her to be home by 8 to let him in. 
And I was like, that's a terrible idea. Why don't you just promise to make her a key that night and just give it to her later? So now you can't get into your house. So who look like the fool now? But anyway, I'll leave that alone. Back at Joan's house, Maya is in the kitchen and she's expressing her relief at the fact that all her symptoms are gone. She didn't have any mood swings, no more chin hair. The only problem now is she has, I guess, ice cold feet or very warm feet. I couldn't tell because she had ice packs on her feet, right? I guess, yeah, she had ice packs on her feet. So she was trying to figure out whether or not she had frostbite. So she's trying to figure out what does frostbite look like. And Jones says, I think your extremities start turning black. So she, of course, delivers her catchphrase, oh, hell no, because apparently it looks like she may be on the brink of frostbite, which is a bad look, understandably. So now she runs to the back. It's just Joan and Tony in the living room. And Lynn comes in. Lynn comes in with Yvonne, who found her. She was, in Lynn's words, house-sitting. In reality, I'm pretty sure we can call it squatting in Bel Air, if I'm not mistaken. And Yvonne picked her up and brought her back. Joan was happy to see her, but thought Yvonne went too far by using the handcuffs. Turns out that was Lynn's idea see what they were like in a non-sexual context because that's how Lynn rolls. So that wraps that up. Lynn's back home safely. Everyone should be happy and hunky-dory. The only issue is, effectively, they're back to square one. The issue is, what's going to happen to Lynn? What's Lynn going to do? So she says she's found her calling. She's going to be a professional house sitter. Which placed her skill set, as it seems, but of course is not really a viable career aspiration. So they asked her what she would do when she's between houses. A very reasonable question. And she says she'll have to figure something out. Goes with the whole downtrodden puppy dog eye, hound dog expression, trying to, once again, tap into that sympathy from Joan to try to get a way back in, literally to the house. And finally, Joan, since Tony's right there, tries to once again bow up and be stern and tell Lynn, nope, she can't stay here. She got to figure something out. And then she tries to go behind Tony's back and do the little hand sign for Lynn to call me. Was that the one she did? The what? The hand sign uh, Joan did behind Tony. So when oh, Tony- Oh, I don't remember. I think it was Tony. <laughs> All right. Well, we both watched the show. And Listen, I watched it, but I also listened. <laughs> All good. Ultimately, Jones starts to become a little more, less, a little less, rather, of an enabler. She gives Lynn a finite amount of time to stay at her place. I think it was a month and a half. And... Well, then she's going to figure things out. And then Lynn says she has to go back to the house she was in because she left a 
souffle, I believe, in the oven, which Joan now finds out Lynn could cook this whole time. And Lynn's like, damn. Because now the jig is up and Joan may have just found a way to make Lynn useful. So that wraps up the core story. And I think we just end with the episode, I guess, kind of tag at the end with William in a callback to the earlier conversation in the episode is in the police lineup as suspect number four, who Yvonne says is usually where they put the guilty party. So the victim, whoever they are, has the officer ask suspect number four to step out and say the line. And it was something about uh, cutting somebody or giving, taking somebody's purse. And it just, William delivered it in, in his face. As you could just tell he was so nervous and so scared about potentially being pegged as the perpetrator. So that was a cute little way to wrap up the episode and get us through episode 17, The Declaration of Independence. So how'd you like this episode? <laughs> that was that Jacquees. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, but what is wrong? Oh my God. Um, the uh, Bobby Valentino song where he doesn't know how a police car sounds. <laughs> like, oh, oh that reminds me of one of my favorite vines where, like, this ambulance goes right. This ambulance is going down the street with the sirens on. <laughs> and this guy is like, read the alarm! <laughs> I've been through this too <laughs> He just like goes in the middle of the street just like screaming a song. But it was perfect timing. Uh, I gotta find that. That was good. But anyway. Um, um, this episode-, take away the episode I forgot about. Uh, Maya decided to get the surgery based on that final a symptom of side effects she was dealing with. So now she is all ready to get the fibroid removed. With the hair? The feet. The feet? Her feet being ice cold. Oh, chow. And I'm like, I didn't have all of that. I mean, but then again, I didn't have hormone therapy. So we're just getting straight to the point, just cutting them hoes out, you know? Um... But our, uh, yeah, this episode was like, it was okay. It was um, kind of a sleeper episode, kind of like not a lot going on, but still kind of like moving things along. You can tell that they're starting to show, like pay more attention to some of the other characters um, and kind of like fleshing that out so that, you know, this isn't just the Joan show, even though there were parts of it that still brought it back to Joan. It was like, this episode was about Lynn and the fact that she is a forever student. She's not ready to work in the corporate world and all that. So, but overall, I mean, there wasn't, it was, it was all right. It was a forgettable episode, but I remember seeing it. I think this episode was on when we were in Hilton head. Cause it's right. Because as we like, as I was watching it, I um, 
earlier today, I was like, I feel like I saw this somewhat recently. So if it wasn't then, it might have been one of these like random moments where TV one centric BT her, whatever you want to call them, um, had like a random girlfriend's mini marathon of maybe like what four or six episodes back to back. And this might have been one. So, um, but yeah, I mean, what'd you think about the episode? I guess more f- from kind of the boyfriend perspective and I mean, just in general. Sure. Perspective-wise, I was a little frustrated with William because he was so close to just having an honest conversation up front. Uh, He was basically at the doorstep of just saying, hey, what are your thoughts on us being a little more thoughtful about how we spend time apart? So, I mean, you have to deliver that in a certain way, right? You can't be like, hey, I like some alone time, even though that's ultimately what he's getting after. You can say, hey, you know... uh, hang out with my boys, we get chance to catch up. It's kind of a thing we do, play basketball or whatever else they do. And then maybe suggestions, maybe have her go get a massage or something else, not to keep her occupied, but make it mutually beneficial. You know, you know what I mean? So something like that. But then he kind of let it linger and then tried to plot, plot, scheme, scheme his way around it. And of course, that is necessary for the show, but also it gives you, you know, that storyline and the repercussions and the rebound of recovering from that. Overall, I do think you highlighted a lot of what I would say about the episode. It moves some storylines along. Maya surgery, Lynn's house insecurity, and Joan's disproportionate loyalty and service to her friends, which we'll see play out in very important ways in coming episodes and seasons. So I do think it sets the table for a lot of things, but it's not the meal, if that makes sense. Yep. So, I mean, not every episode can be right. jam-packed. I mean, we exactly. weren't in the age of scandal yet, so All I right. get it. Okay. Shout out to Kerry Washington, by the way. Okay. And Scott Foley. You want to go into the end? Sure. All right. So, hey, thinking about this episode and thinking about it from the perspective of now in this year, in this day, in this age? How do you see it? Well, for reasons both personal and societal, I think it's pretty evergreen. You could roll a lot of these storylines into today and not have much issue feeling out of place. And obviously, multiple times we've talked about Fry Boys, uh, also, the concept of people being forever students. I've seen it a few times, uh, both in the classroom as a student and as an instructor, it seems, or non traditional students, uh, maybe the more appropriate term. And of course, that figuring out that right way to broach that topic of being in a relationship but maintaining some uh, independence, as it were. 
So I do think you can have the episode drop today and not change much. Maybe the outfits, you know, probably Uber more than driving through LA, and you're pretty much in the same spot, right in the wheelhouse. Okay. Um, I think I actually agree that this was a pretty evergreen episode. Um, I think that this would have been, I mean, fibroid wise. Yeah. Well, honestly, I think maybe a different, um, like maybe they didn't give her hormone therapy. Maybe they would have given her like birth control pills. Cause that seems to be kind of the general MO now. Like they just, Hey, um, you have fibroids. Uh, let's just give you some birth control pills. If you're not already on one or so let's jack up the hormones a little bit. See if that changes anything. Um, so they might've done that instead of hormone therapy. Uh, everything else pretty much stay the same. Um, yeah. So going from there, how do you think this episode would have been if it were an episode of Insecure? Well, funny enough, given how Insecure ended last season, a potential spoiler alert coming up uh, with Issa couch surfing at her ex or I guess next, depending on how you want to look at it. You know, they don't have to work very hard to blend in some of these storylines. Issa's uh, housing insecurity and somewhat job insecurity to an extent or not being fulfilled in her job, figuring out what she actually wants to do ties someone into Lynn's situation. As far as the medical component, they could you know pick any of the female characters, including Issa, if they so chose to have that similar situation, figure out how to navigate and deal with fibroids and the consideration of surgery as a first option or something you do after exhausting all others. And as far as quality time in a relationship, I could have used the Molly Drow situation, which naturally availed itself since Drow has a girlfriend and a wife. So there's that. And that can make obviously quality time with your girlfriend a little difficult with respect to your wife, since you are married with a girlfriend. But anyway, that would probably be one way they could play that. Or they could even have, you know, Kelly. I think she was in a relationship with a young thing during the season. So it could be that situation where he's too clingy. He may be a younger guy. So he may just want to be up under her all day and hang out when she hangs out. And so she leaves the bathroom, want to ask how her day was. So on and so forth, where she may want a little downtime, kick it with her girls, watch Scandal, or what's the version of Scandal that was on uh, Dear White People? Dilemma? Uh, I think it starts with either an I or a D. Defamation? I thought it was defamation. Defamation. That's it. Yeah. They're watching Defamation. Or uh, what, was the, uh, what was the show, the second season? The fake reality show? Lena. Oh, uh, that fake love and hip hop. Um, like let's call it babes and ballers or whatever. But yeah, y- yeah, sure. 
So shows like that. Maybe she wants to watch those with her girls. Or just be by herself for a little bit. Perhaps. That could be the way they play that story up. So you got some flexibility. Or it could be a reverse. You know, it could be Lawrence with his girl, Aparna. And maybe she's very... They ain't together no more. I'm just saying, if they circle back, got back together. Which I'm, I'm putting my money on. I think Lawrence going to pop up in season three with Aparna. And the app gonna blow up, and they gonna get engaged. People gonna be sick. Oh I, please! I can't wait to be online for that. We're barely. Oh please! We're one barely gonna see Lawrence this season, and two. I feel like he's he gonna drop here. He gonna drop here when we least expect it. Watch. They they, they set they setting us up. Okay. But all that to say, they have a lot of ways they can roll this and play this, and they can do it with Daniel. Easy could be too clingy to Daniel. He wants to. Go kick it in the studio or the stew, as people in the industry say. And they live together, so they ain't got to do every single thing together. Give them a little space to breathe, you know? Get off their back. We're cramping his style, you know? Sure. What do you, what do you got? Uh, let's see. Insecure. Uh, let's give Kelly fibroids. Um... Or, yeah, yeah, we can stay there. Um, unless we want to have a bigger conversation about Tiffany having fibroids and being pregnant at the same time, because that could be a thing. Um, ba, 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 ba. Oh, you could also play it where, what's Tiffany's husband's name? Derek? I'm glad you knew. Maybe he could feel like he didn't have time, which I mean is a little bad because when your wife's pregnant with your child, you can't really be out here complaining about kicking it with your boys. But maybe that could be the angle they play. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like I'm trying to remember. So this episode was about. Uh. Maybe. The whole William and Joan thing. I mean, not William and Joan. William and Yvonne thing doesn't necessarily have to be a relationship that's been around a while. Like, maybe Molly starts dating a guy. Or Issa starts dating a guy. And he's already like, hey, meet my friends. Kind of like on this last episode of Love Is. Which, whew. Child. That was a lot. But, um... And then the whole like mooching friend or the friend that needs to kind of like grow up and not be enabled. We don't really see that scenario so much. Um, maybe like that would have been an opportunity for maybe like season one with Lawrence, um, where maybe like one of the guy friends was kind of trying to encourage him to do something, but he didn't really have any good people in his corner like that. So, um, yeah, it's kind of my thoughts. Nice. Um, trying to think. Of course, living single wise. If any of this would have translated, I mean, maybe Kyle was dating some girl and tried to get her to be friends with them real hard or something or maybe Overton like before he started dating Sinclair 
Um, uh, I don't remember a time in that show when they weren't like second for each other. Huh? I honestly don't remember a time in that show when they weren't checking for each other. He was always checking for her. She <sighs> was kind of aloof for the most part. Because, um, like, there was one episode where Tommy Strong was in her, like, acting class and they went on a date. And I think that was kind of like Overton's breaking point where he felt like, all right. I need to let her know how I feel. Um, Or at least around that point, the audience was aware that Overton was filling her. But, uh, yeah, I can't think about the rest. Um, Okay. Yeah. Let's just continue on. Um, All right. Wrapping, wrapping it up. Yep. yep. Okay. Sure. So that was another episode of Through Thick and Thin. Uh, we got through it, guys, two in a row. Um, however, we might be taking a little break again just because of work travels. We might, might not. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah but if we do take a break, it'll just be for maybe two weeks. If we don't take a break, ignore all this. Um, also, because of said break, we will somehow figure out how to um, start talking about Love Is. Because we're caught up on the show, but we don't want to try to lump it into the episode. Um, so now it's just a matter of <clears throat> trying to figure out where to, like, when can we record the short episodes but that's something I definitely am looking forward to because that show is different. That's one thing I love about Mara's like writing is that it's not cookie cutter in the very least. Like I saw somebody on Twitter today was like, she hates all the shows that Mara Brocka kill has been on, like written for created because, um, she feels like all her characters are trash. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's the whole point. Like, to show these flawed people. Huh? I said trash isn't flawed? Yeah. Like human? Right. That's exactly... Okay. Exactly how I feel. I'm like, so... We're not always, like, these perfect people in these stories and... Situate like we were in such a place with blacks on TV where like everything was like model citizen, right? Like you might have had these little hiccups here and there, conflicts between family or profession, but in the end they always redeemed themselves and you know, just in case there were some white people looking or something, like they could watch that show feel like oh that black person did the right thing in the end that's not how life is remember a quote from viola davis that basically said that you know like we have to get out of that thought process of like black people always being kind of perfect and i think that quote kind of i butchered it but it came up around the time where people were like really talking about scandal and 
maybe how to get away with murder had just started but basically like you were for the first time starting to see like flawed black leads um in like on tv and because we were so used to the cosby show because that's the freaking like prototype for all black television um you know seeing these people where like they might be successful in their profession or this and other but then their personal lives were a hot mess which is realistic like i know so many people like that so that's why i like i mean i'm honestly impressed with how much i like this show like i knew going into it i was going to like it just because it's more rocket kill and i don't think there's anything that she can do wrong um in terms of storytelling but just because this is based on their true story their love story and it is so flawed and so imperfect and is a hot mess and i would have just like run away from that but that wasn't my story so it's interesting to see how it all kind of unfolds and how intricate life is in the sense of like this one thing might have happened with Yasir, but this other thing happened with Nuri, but somehow it just perfectly was like two pieces of a puzzle that were in need of like being connected. Um, so yeah. It's really great. I think there might be only two episodes left this season. Dang. I don't know. Because, I mean, you know, them own shows only do, yeah. like, so many episodes. Which is a good model, though. You get better storytelling, I think. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That just means we get the other shows. Green Leaf back. Queen Sugar. Speaking of which, Queen Sugar just came on. Oh, um, all right, y'all. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I need to catch up on that. It's good. I'm an episode behind. Charlie, it's good. All right. If you didn't know, Darla works at Flower Child and Bookhead. I'm working. Stop it. You stop that now. <laughs> that, is <laughs> that is a lie told by the devil. That was. <laughs> Only bears a passing resemblance to Bianca Lawson. <laughs> oh my god, she said you stop that right now. The last episode actually had the highest ratings. That's dope. More so than the first episode. People just had to catch up and catch on. Nice. Wait, Wendy Davis wasn't always playing Nuri? Who was this Lana Young person that was playing her? Older Nuri. Oh. Yeah, I'm about to say. Okay. Huh? I was about to say, I feel like that's been the same person. No, meaning like they had someone else that was supposed to play that role. And then they got Wendy instead. That was like I mean, uh, Huh? That was like with Lethal Weapon and uh Oh, let's yeah. 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 We're not going there. Cool. cool. Um <laughs> Wow, so Wendy was just replaced in April. Oh, okay. Wow, this is really, really recent. Um, but cool, cool, cool. Okay. Well, again, follow us on all the socials. 
Shout out to Kenneth for giving us our great music. That hot fire. Um, and yeah, hope everyone has a great week. And I guess we'll just take this thing on out. All right. Later, y'all. Peace.